Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a dose of your inspiration, empowerment, and, of course, total freaking badassery. Today, we're joined by the extraordinary, my girl, Andrea Nevado. Beyond her Jane the Virgin fame, Andrea's journey is a testament to resilience, authenticity, and triumph over adversity. Her story isn't about fame, success, and just the easy life. It's about shooting your shot, leaning into your fears, and knowing your freaking self-worth. So today, we're breaking up the nice girl habits and saying hello and hell yeah to boundaries and doing what's best for you, the things that she didn't succumb to, the things that allowed her to keep going, even though all things were stacked against her. You'll be glad, Mahomi, that you tuned in when you hear Andrea's super tactical trick to using the power of regret as the mega motivator for your success. That's right. I'm so excited to dive in right now. All right. Now, before we do dive in, it's time to unleash your inner badassness even more and elevate it to the next freaking level girl by subscribing to Apple Podcast. If you subscribe specifically to Women of Impact on Apple Podcasts, you get zero ads and get exclusive curated playlists on essential topics like health, confidence, business, and relationships. So go over right now, my homie, and subscribe. Your first week is for free. So go over to apple.co slash women of impact. Now let's dive in right now with my girl, Andrea Nevado. So many of us suffer from guilt, shame, family expectations, people pleasing. We want to be there. We want to show up for other people. And sometimes that actually can dictate our future and where we end up. And I want to read a quote from you. What are people going to think if you leave your husband and two kids while his mum is in the hospital and the whole family is mourning his father's passing just so that you can go off and audition? What kind of mother are you to leave your kids for a month? What kind of wife are you? Now, this is a negative voice in your head telling yourself the guilt and the shame that if you left and went for your dream but you didn't listen and that was the audition that led you to literally getting the role on Jane the Virgin right there's another world where you don't exactly exactly so how the hell for anyone listening right now did you overcome and not succumb to the voice in your head telling you that you should stay well I had been a working actress for a long time living in New York. Um, And then I stopped to have children. And that was a huge impact on my life. And I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to put my imprint on my kids. I didn't want to have a nanny raising my children. Um, I wanted to instill the morals and values and that I thought that they should have. And I wanted to keep them safe. I took my job as a mom very seriously. And so what ended up happening was I would hold myself back from a lot of auditions because I wanted to be home. But then it got to a point where I was losing my own identity. I was losing uh, sight uh, or feelings of who I was before I had children. And that's not good either. And how I made myself go was say to myself, Andrea, 
do you want to look back and have regret that you didn't go? Do you want to continue to live the life that you're living now, which wasn't a bad life. I loved being with my children when they were home, but my dream to be an actress, a successful actress, I had that before I even got married. So was I going to let it stop me being a mom? Honestly, it was just an excuse. And I do believe that. And that, that can be hard. That can sound hard. But I realized after going through the exercise of making myself talk to my husband, getting him on board and getting myself on that plane to go to L.A. And then ultimately booking Jane the Virgin and then seeing how my life changed for the better and what an impact Jane the Virgin had on my life, on the little girl in me, on so many other fans' lives. I go, wow, Jane the Virgin could never have happened. I could have come back with no job. The most important thing in this story for me that I wrote about in the book is that it didn't matter. What mattered was I went against the fear inside. What I went against the negative voices in my head that were telling me I wasn't good enough. I was a bad mom. I was a bad wife. Uh, you're probably not going to book a job. What really ultimately was, was that I was afraid that I would fail and that I would come back with nothing. And that would have been the real thing that held me back. Not my children, mm-hmm. not my husband, none of that. It would have been my fear of failing. And then I realized, I said, Andrea, all of those were excuses bad wife, bad mom, You're, you were scared to go and fail. I won. I'm on the plane. I slayed that dragon, that dragon of fear. And whatever happens after this, I'm good with it because I know that I won over the fear. And that was the most important thing. That's so powerful. <laughs> I love that you sat on the plane. You're like, I want. I really want people to actually use that now. Yeah. Like, once you make the decision, no matter what the outcome is, mm-hmm. tell yourself you won. Like, as you, I'm so tactical. Yeah. Dude, that's so freaking powerful. It is. And even like, as simple as I went to the gym today. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I'm sure other people can relate to this. I will have this thing in my head that says, you got to go to the gym. Well, I don't really feel like it. And I just want to stay home. And I got other things to do. And I just rather do whatever. And then I, and then I don't go. And then there's those days where I'm like, nope, I got, I got to get to the gym and I get to the gym. So it's every time I get to the gym, I win. Every time I eat something well, I win. You know, every time I do something that I'm scared of, I freaking won. Mm-hmm. I won against that. And it's a daily battle and it's a daily choice and it will never go away. It's interesting that you call them excuses, which, by the way, I freaking love. Um, How do you start to decipher, though, what is a real reason versus what is an actual excuse that you're just using? Because feeling like a good mother, like, I can really understand that. Like, I always, like, don't think of it as an excuse. But when you position it as it's an excuse for your fear to use, now I freaking get it. So how the hell do you decipher the two? I believe if if you have a genuine desire or dream or goal that you want to go for, then that is something that God or the universe has planted inside of you. And if you're not going for it because of external factors or even the negative voices in your head, then, then, then you're choosing wrong. You have to go with what your true desire is. If, if it's truly something you want, something that's good for you, something that's positive, how can it be wrong if it's a positive thing for you? Well, 
That's a really great question. How can it be wrong? I think potentially it can be wrong when other people around you are telling you it's wrong. Exactly. Not necessarily that your internal dialogue is telling right. you, but other people are telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, gosh, I, I don't usually have people like that in my sphere. There's, uh, I, I, I carefully choose the people in my life. Um, I will say there's been one or two times um, when, when people tell me I can't do something or I can't have something, it pisses me off so bad that I go, well, then I'm going to, you watch me, you watch me. I kind of like, mm. you know, I use it as motivation, you know, that's, that's healthy anger right there. You know, um, I, yeah, no, I don't believe I, I can't have people like that in my sphere. I, it's easy for me to say, but no, if I, if I feel like someone's tearing me down, they, and they, they're not supporting me, I can't have them. But Honestly, I had to learn that. I had to learn that. That has taken me a very long time to get to that place where therapy, working on myself and, and journaling and figuring out me and listening to my own internal dialogue, the one that is positive. Because, you know, you can have so many voices in your head, negative voices. I think anything that's negative that's going on in your head is a lie. It's a freaking lie. If it's something good for you, and then you have another voice telling you, oh, don't do that. Like, don't go to the gym or don't, you know, you know, whether you, you know, whether it's a, it's a lie. You know, or if not. you're like tricking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, okay. So in you saying everything, what you just said, right, mm -hmm. where you, you cut them, not really cut them out of your life. You just don't allow them into your life because mm -hmm. I, you know, the toxicity is very beautiful and powerful. But you talk in your book about mm -hmm. having been in an abusive relationship right. with an ex-boyfriend. And I actually have a quote of yours. This is in reference to meeting Marco and uh, being in this abusive relationship. Those arguments eventually led him to hitting me. The first time I was shocked, but not surprised, as I'd seen this modeled to me growing up. I didn't like getting hit, but it was familiar to me. It was I was afraid to leave. What would life be like without a boy? He was my anchor. Mm -hmm. So going from having an abusive relationship and calling him your anchor even amidst that abuse to now where you sit here today saying I don't allow toxicity into my life and I just don't allow those people around me so you said therapy obviously was a big thing sure if you don't mind taking me through the the pivot that you originally made because I'd love to walk uh you to walk people through how you went from that to where you are today sure um and maybe take us back to um the story where he sicks his dog on you Yes. So I, believe it or not, I was a teenager. Uh, I was 16 and I had a boyfriend who was two years older than me. Uh, growing up in the South Bronx was not, not the best area to grow up in. And one of the things um, that was popular at the time and kind of is sort of in, in certain circles uh, were pit bulls and fighting pit bulls. It was kind of like a, a thing in, in my neighborhood. Um, so anyway, he, he had two pit bulls and the two could not get along. So he had to separate the two dogs in the house. One was a nice dog and the other one was a vicious dog. I literally had a physical fight with him one day where um, he, uh, he was sicking his dog on me and he had her on the leash uh, because we were arguing. And then I had to convince him to lock the dog up. And I says, oh, you're such a tough guy. You know, I was trying to use reverse psychology to get them to get the dog away from me. He locks the dog up and he comes back and he starts poking me in my head. What you going to do now? What you going to do now? And I, I don't know what a switch flipped in my head. I lost my shit. And it was like, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen abuse growing up 
to my mom by my stepfather. I had been sexually abused as a, as a little girl. Um, I, you know, I had seen violence around me. And so this was the norm. And then, and then on top of that, this is happening with the, the, the man that I love, right? Something switched in me that said, no, no, I deserve better. I love myself. I deserve better. If no one else is going to stick up for me, I'm going to stick up for me. This is BS and I don't want this. And so after those two experiences, I said, I have to change because I know where my life is going to go. It's not going to go down a good path. And I eventually broke up with him, which was the hardest thing for me to do. But I broke up with him. I wanted a future. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to do something with myself. And um, I uh, that's what I did. You know, 10 years later, he showed up to my apartment and I was like, what are you doing here? Nothing. I just want to see you. And I went off on him. I screamed bloody hell in the middle of the street. Don't you ever effing mother effing. Don't you ever. And I never saw him again. Was that just like all the pimped up? Well, my, I felt in danger. Mm. How did he figure out? This is before the internet, right? Well, so oh, how did yeah. he figure out where I lived? How did he know where I lived? And why does he want to talk to me 10 years later? And I was going to make it as difficult as possible for him to not want to be with. Like, there's no way you are going to get in my sphere. I will protect myself to, uh, to the death. I will. I will do that. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it, especially if 
you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. This is so powerful. Mm. Thank you for sharing those stories. Um, I'm desperately trying to pull at what the hell made you finally snap and the reason why and maybe it's from childhood your mom's a freaking badass um but you call it in your in your book like going the going bronx i believe yeah um how does someone uh, train to go bronx now i'm not necessarily encouraging everybody the yeah, entire audience and I to go don't and punch people. people to fight either but absolutely you better freaking believe though homie if it's me or a dude that's coming at me I'm betting on myself. Exactly. So I'm not encouraging. Yeah. But even elements of just standing up for yourself. Let's just blanket statement. Mm. What you did is you finally just stood up for yourself, right? Yes. What is that thing that goes from you were taught this as a child, you saw it growing up, you were obviously, you had unfortunate abuse and now you're with someone, you're with him for two years and then you finally go, what the hell? Because I honestly live in fear that, People live that same life, but don't ever stand up for themselves. Sure. And they blink. And 30 years later, they're still in that abusive relationship. They've now diminished themselves even more because over the right. years, that abusive relationship has really stripped them of who they want to be or who they are. Sure. Oh, gosh. You know, that's a very hard question. I think it's different for everyone. I remember sitting in, in therapy and um, I was telling my therapist, I, I can't do this anymore. I I, I I, I have to do something different. I, I have to change. And she goes, well, you finally hit rock bottom. Mm. You finally hit the bottom. I was wondering when you were going to hit bottom. Um, and that was really powerful for me to hear and, and supportive, right? Because it's like, how much are you going to take? How much are you going to take? What is your bottom? Ask yourself that question. What is my bottom? Like, stop and say, do what is my future going to look like? Play it out in your mind. If I continue to stay, it's like a chess game. You can play all the pieces out and see, oh, for me, it was, if I don't leave, I'm going to uh, continue to be physically abused. If I don't leave, I'm going to end up getting, having an unwanted pregnancy. If I don't leave, I'm going to be on welfare. If I don't leave, I'm going to be a statistic. If I don't leave, I'm going to uh, get very sad and depressed and not love myself. If I don't leave, I'm going to raise a child in this environment and that child is going to grow up to do the same things. If I don't leave, my child is not going to feel good about themselves either, you know. Or if I don't leave, my kid is going to end up on drugs or end up in a gang or, or whatever the case may be. Like, it could play out in so many ways. Like, how... Will your life play out 
if you continue in this path that is not good for you? Or what is the other option? Well, what are the potentials that could happen if you do leave? And But the leaving is the hardest part, right? Because like, because because what will stop us in our tracks is, well, if I leave, um, you know, really bad things are going to happen, and some women are in really bad situations. So I am do not belittling that in any way. That's I am very very sensitive to that. Um, but like for example, I I talk about this with my mom. I saw my mom leave an abusive relationship. I thank the Lord that my mother did that because she modeled to me tenacity. She modeled to me uh, drawing a boundary. She modeled to me loving herself. She modeled pulling herself up by the bootstraps and saying, I have value. I don't deserve this. I'm going to do better for me and for my kids. And that's what she did. Like if, if my mother didn't do that, maybe I wouldn't have broken up with my boyfriend. Maybe I would have stayed. Who knows? Right? So thank the Lord that I had that model. And so I encourage women out there who have children to, to be the leaders for their children and to lead through action and to show them that you're willing to put yourself first. Because when you put yourself first and you pick you and you take care of you, you're teaching your children to do the same things for themselves. Our job as parents is to raise our children so that they can fly the nest and take care of themselves not have to, you know, be yeah. home, you know, we don't we'll take care of them for the rest of our lives. I always like think people should have kids just as that pull to like go after their dream. Obviously I'm kind of only half yeah. joking. But you know it's scary, homie, how many women I've had sit opposite me and say, if it wasn't for my kid, I wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just to think through, mm-hmm. again, no bullshit, what would it actually take for us women to really live the lives that we want, to feel confident, to feel proud of ourselves, to be inspired, to inspire yes. each other. Like, it really is that. I mean, I still struggle with insecurity. I still hold myself back. It's it's a, it's, And I want to share that because... I think women or people will see quote unquote celebrities or see other people who are doing really, really well. And they just tell themselves the story that they are happy, that they have no problems, that they're so lucky. And, and, and it's just not true. Like everyone is going through something. Everyone has a burden to carry. And they also have a lot of undoing to do in their own minds from their experiences uh, in childhood and as adults. But honestly, it's up to us to take the responsibility to live the life that we want to lead. And if we're not happy with where we are, we've got to do something about it. It's not easy, but there are things that we can do, even little things. How the hell do you hold yourself accountable and be able to say that? Because you talk in the book about being, you didn't want to be a statistic, but being Latina, being born in the Bronx, not seeing anyone that looked like you on television. So you have this dream, but not really seeing it reflected anywhere. How did you build that mentality growing up in a, in a place where people expected you to become a statistic? Yeah. Um, well, I, I would like I like to attribute it to my dad in a lot of ways because he exposed me to uh, the arts and uh, higher learning. And he also was a, a great example of someone who wasn't living a good life, but then he decided to change his mind and and make a difference, make a change. 
So uh, I mentioned briefly in, in the book that my father um, went to prison for a year. And then he decided, I am going to do something different. This is not good for me. Boom. And he changed. Mm. Uh, and so I'm grateful for that. And so maybe not, maybe some people who are listening who don't, don't have those examples was takes one person to start it, to change the generational cycles that are, that are in our lives. You know, and, and so often people who are poor continue to, to, to have children who are also become poor and who also, you know, same thing or people mm. who are wealthy tend to have kids who continue to be, to be wealthy. Whatever the case may be, I, I'm not saying either one is good or bad. It's just um, if you're a musician, you tend to have children who play music, you know. So what are you going to, to, to teach your kids or are you going to be the first person to change the, the path, change the way? So I haven't gone through all of that. And even though, like, statistically, you're definitely um, like 0.0001% chance that you're yeah. going to make it in Hollywood, let alone make it on one of the biggest TV shows of the decade, mm. um, of I think four decades, I said earlier. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's getting out of that is so, the statistical chances of that occurring are so minimal, but you didn't stop because of the chance, you just kept going. And there's a beautiful story that you talk about in the book that is another pivotal moment that if you made a different decision, it would have led you down a different path. Mm -hmm. And it's when you get offered one of your first TV roles and you realize it's to play um, a gang member's uh, girlfriend's prostitute or something like that, a prostitute yes. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing that that went against how you believe that your culture should be represented, mm -hmm. you still chose to take it. Yeah. That's such a hard decision. Now, in hindsight, again, it was a perfect decision. It was, Because yes. you saw your dream and you're like, <laughs> I have to do this to get there. But in those moments, making those little hard decisions that maybe um, battle you in your heart and your soul, how did you still make the decision? Because again, I feel like these are the moments when I think about these sliding door moments. Yes. That that could have changed the tra trajectory of your career. Yeah, hugely. But, in, but you could look at that and go, you sold out. Exactly. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I can say right now, obviously, it was a great decision, and I was taking one for the team and all that. But I really needed to pay the rent, and I needed health insurance. That was the biggest thing, and so I, I, you know, I, I had to go that route. Like I, I didn't feel like I had many options, but it was once I made the decision and I found myself in the position. I go, okay. They're asking me to do these stereotypical things with this character that I feel is hurting me, my own psyche, my own little girl inside. Um, it's hurting my people in a sense. We're reinforcing things. So I'm not going to play into that. I'm going to subtly refuse, <laughs> basically. And I started to try to just play myself and not play the way it was scripted with this head rolling or gum chewing or whatever they, they wanted me to do. And I just kept being me. I just kept being me, which was the other, right? This is what I taught. Our otherness is our strength. I was the other. I was keenly aware that I was the other and I was going to present as the other. But some people have these ideas of the other and I am an other, but I am just like everyone else. And that's who I'm going to be. And honestly, that job was supposed to last for four months and it lasted for two and a half years. And I do believe it was because I owned who I was. And I wasn't going to play this idea. The reason why I love that story so much, by the way, is because 
there are moments where we may just go, that doesn't align with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to pre- self-preserve. And I actually c- totally respect that. But there's also another option that we don't always consider. And so that's why it's like, it's not if someone's going after a role, because I think the majority of people aren't actresses and extremely successful like you, but there's so many lessons in your stories. So in this story, it's about when you're presented with an option that maybe doesn't align with you, but maybe has something of value to you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are you able to think outside the box and do what's right for you and not just feel like you're being forced to either say yes or to say no? There is that third blind option, which is exactly what you did, which is like, you're going to say yes, but you're actually going to use it to your advantage. It's so freaking strong. Right. Right. I want I want the listeners to see themselves in me, hopefully, to see the potential for themselves. So honestly, it's it's really comes down to decision making and it's super simple, but it's super scary. Mm -hmm. And but it is something that everyone comes across in their lives. And I really want to encourage the the listeners to to listen to these stories or read these stories and see the potential for themselves and to bring awareness that they have options, that they don't always have to settle for whatever the situation is for themselves. If they have dreams in their lives, they don't have to settle for what's going on at that moment. They can make a change. They can make a difference. It's not easy, but they can do it. Absolutely. I love that. And when I think about though, how does someone make that change? Mm-hmm. It's the building blocks that stack that you put potentially build your confidence to then have the confidence to make the change. Um, but sometimes it's like you have to do the act before you build the confidence. Well, I have this, there's this quote, and I don't know where I got it from, but it's called action cures fear. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of a mantra for me sometimes because I deal with a lot of fear on a daily basis. I, just being so honest, I was scared to write this book. Like I had to deal with who do you think you are in my mind, negative voices. Oh, you're not smart enough to write a book. You're not tenacious enough to see it through to the end. I had to deal with all those. Um, but I, I, I just, I said, I guess take one action step after the other, one step after the other. So one of the steps, the first step for me was to go, I am going to reach out for help. I was looking for someone like a personal trainer mm. of writing, you know, I, I, cause like I have a personal trainer. I know two days a week that my, my trainer Marcus is waiting for me to show up at 7am. And if I don't show up, I'm like, I got egg on my face, right? <laughs> if I didn't have him in place, I probably wouldn't show up. Mm. So I had to set myself up for a win. Because you knew yourself well enough to know if I want to execute on this dream, these are the things that I need. I need an accountability right. partner. Exactly. Got and it. I knew that I would not see it through. I knew that mm. I would probably be really great for the first two weeks. I'm going to write a book. Let me go sit down from my computer <laughs> and write this book. And I'm like, yeah. And then you hit, hit a block. Oh, what am I going to write about? I don't, I don't know. And then, you know, and I'd, I'd probably be good for two weeks. And then after a while, I got other things to do. Oh, my kids need this. I got that. And the next thing you know, I've lost my motivation and my gumption and nobody's waiting for me to show up to my computer. So. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't get done. I knew that would happen. And then a year later, you're telling yourself, see, I told you, you're no good. You tried to write a book a year ago and you it, haven't even finished it. Exactly. I play, I always mm-hmm. play things out. How mm-hmm. do I play out? And I obviously don't want the worst case scenario. <laughs> I want, I don't like living with regret and I have regret in my life and I do not like the feeling of this is a terrible feeling. But what I did do is I set, um, I tried to set a bar that I knew I could reach. And the bar was, okay, I'm going to sit in front of my computer three to four days a week, minimum, 
And then uh, I'm going to write a paragraph. If I can't write more than a paragraph, I'm going to sit there for an hour. And if all I get is a paragraph, then that's all I got that day. I'm not going to beat myself up. So I tried to, to, to take care of myself. I knew what I needed to kind of like to try and reach it. Because if I made it so monumental, I, I would give up, honestly. I didn't want to be a failure. So, that you know. is, Thank you for taking us through that because yeah. I think there's so, so much gold in what you just said. So mm-hmm. identifying what that goal is, I want to write the book. Know thyself. Guys, know thyself. Don't yeah. beat yourself up over it. Just go, I'm the type of person that if I don't have someone accountable, yeah. right, like... Maybe that's what you need. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just fact. And there's something else that you said earlier that, so you said you hate regret. But I also heard you say that regret can be really freaking powerful. Exactly. I've never heard of regret spoken like this. And I was like, I love tools. Mm. Now I love regret. Yes. So if you don't mind I explaining why we should love a regret. Yes. Well, um, you know, I, in high school, I got mixed up with this boy, Marco, and I ended up, it t- took me five years to graduate high school. It was something that I was ashamed about for a really long time, but also because you were skipping school with him. I was stuff skipping like that. school exactly. Yes, I was basically didn't go to school for a full year, hanging out with Marco, um, and I just didn't feel good about myself that I I didn't focus on my school, which made me feel bad about myself. Like if I felt like a failure, basically. But in a in a lot of ways, I I wasn't a failure. I just failed. I just failed the class or I didn't pass because I didn't put the work in. And that was the regret because I had full control all along and I didn't do something about it. I let it go. And that regret was the motivator for me to, in my career, to not give up, to keep, to persevere. Like, you know, we don't want to feel that feeling again. That's a terrible feeling. Let's keep going. We don't want to have regret. I really believe in exploring your inner world and, and what's going on and what's operating and what's driving your ship. That way you can be in control. You mm-hmm. can get online. Like it's, we're, we're walking around subconscious so often that that's one of the reasons why we cannot achieve our dreams or we can't achieve our goals because we have all of these mental hurdles that are completely in our way and we have no idea. Yeah. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. So speaking of those mental hurdles, again, using your stories, because I love that you're such a great storyteller, homie. And so there's another story that you tell in your book um, where you say you were in, you're going for, I believe, a CW network interview or something. Um, Tell me that story, because homie, like the the balls that you have on you to like speak up in that moment, I really want to like pull apart. And I want that story for other people to take with them when they want the strength to speak up. Sure, sure. This day, I was sitting in the casting offices of the CW network, and um, as I was sitting in the waiting room, I was looking on the monitors, and I was going to be meeting with two the heads of casting at the time uh, that my manager set me up for. And so uh, I'm looking at the monitors, and I'm watching the trailers of all the shows they had on the air at the time. And I sat there noticing that there weren't a lot of people of color. And I'm sitting there going, huh, where are the brown people? 
I don't see any brown. Oh, there's one in the background. Oh, there it is. Oh. <laughs> and so then I go, why am I here? Why am I having this interview? They're, they're not going to hire me because I don't see anyone like me on their TV shows. And so then I go, well, Andrea, stop having those self-defeating thoughts. You never know. And don't say that in the interview. Well, no, they need to know. And I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, no. Be quiet. You're having this whole dialogue yeah, in your yeah. head. It's like an <laughs> angel and a devil on my shoulder. And so then I go into the meeting. I'm having a talk with the casting directors. Everything's going splendidly. Having a great conversation. I'm charming. They're charming. Everything is wonderful. And then all of a sudden, I hear myself say, you know, I was sitting in the waiting room, and I noticed that you don't have a lot of people of color in your, in your shows. And I went, Andrea, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, no, they need to know that they need people of color on their shows. And then the casting directors are like, uh, 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 well, that's not true. We have so-and-so and so-and-so. And then it was like, it felt like, a, a, I don't know, an eternity of silence. Like crickets and just yes, like the tumbleweed. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my God, I just ruined this meeting. And then one of them says, you know, we do realize that we need more. Uh, diversity on our show. And you know what? You would be great for the role of this pilot that we have coming up called Jane the Virgin as the role of this, of uh, the mother, Siomara. And I went, Oh, okay. And that was it. I didn't think about it afterwards. I left and I go, Andrea, you just ruined that meeting. What the heck are you thinking? <laughs> and two months later, my, I'm auditioning for Jane the Virgin for the role of Siomara. And then, and then so the rest much. is history. I love that story so much because there's another world. I'm going to keep saying your entire story is there's another world. You couldn't have done that or shouldn't have done that. And then you don't end up taking the world that changes your life. Right. I've got another quote of yours. Okay. That I think so many of us really struggle with finding our worth Mm -hmm. and really understanding and knowing our value. And I think in moments you even said, I paid my dues, right? Like I played the the freaking prostitute. Like I'm just going to freaking say I paid my dues. I do think that that comes with building self-worth as well, right? Like Mm -hmm. you built your self-worth over time. So that by the time you got to that room, you probably felt value to yourself, right? And like, hang on a minute. I do have a right to say this. Um, you talk in your book, you say, my journey was perfectly set up to make me feel the negative impact of not being valued. So the negative impact of not being valued, how the hell do you now see that as a positive thing? Because it, um, it lit a fire in me. The, the, the feeling of not being valued, not being seen, of not being heard is, is an awful feeling. And it made me angry. I, it, it, that anger has fueled me in many ways in my career to go, no, no, I have value. I will pick myself. I will show up. Yeah, I know I don't see a lot of me out there, but I'm going to show up anyway. I'm going to stake my claim. I'm going to say I'm here. I have value and I have something to offer. And that's, been probably the driving force for me in my life is is that is it that added with there's another chapter in your book Mm -hmm. was like own your shit is it that is it like knowing your value really saying no no i won't and then saying but i have to own my shit and how i show up every day exactly that's one of my favorite chapters owning your shit because when you own your shit you are taking 100 responsibility for your life for everything that has happened to you 
is happening to you and will happen to you. Even if, if, if things that have happened to you were unfair and were wrong, you still have to take responsibility for it, what you're going to do now. What are you going to do moving forward? Yeah, maybe somebody sh- shouldn't have done that to you, but now what are you going to do with that? I think that is so important, owning your shit, taking 100% responsibility. Like, I'm going to be straight up honest. I can be so lazy. I can procrastinate like nobody's business. And I have to get to a point where I'm like, Andrea, you know, I have to be honest with myself. Andrea, what are you doing? You're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing what you said you were going to do. You know, I have to hold myself accountable. And it's when you hold yourself accountable and you take 100% responsibility and you stop leaving it on other people's hands and stop blaming, you can change your life. You can get the things you want. You can move ahead. You can move forward. But it's, it all ends with you. And is that ignoring, I believe you call it your counter voice? In your head? Yes. Or I would say my manager voice. <laughs> That's, you know, it's actually through my therapy that I've done with my therapist um, that we all have these different parts of us that have, have cordoned off or sectioned off through trauma. And um, so one of them can be the security guard at the gate who's not going to let any bad person in. Like, for example, you know, or the fighter, you know, we have a fighter who's going to throw down. And my fighter developed at age 16 when I had my boyfriend being abusive to me. And I never found myself in that position again, because that fighter is strong and she will come out and she will kick ass. And she may, she might not, you know, she might be walking away, licking her wounds, but she will give somebody a fight for their money, Mm -hmm. you know? So different parts of us, I believe come up. And then there's the manager who is the one that gets me to, to my appointments and gets me to you know, to the gym or, or whatever. So uh, you don't mind breaking this down a bit more. I actually love this. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you um, identify the voices in your head and then put, give them like job titles? <laughs> yeah, you can give them a name. You can give them a job title. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah. So I know that I have those parts in me and sometimes I have to stop and talk to them or listen to the, the parts. Mm. This is something that I've worked with my, my therapist is to stop and listen to the part and what it has to say because it will keep nagging you and getting in your way and not letting you achieve. So sometimes I have to listen to my manager and say, you know what? I agree. I have to go to the gym. You're right, but not today. Why? Because I'm super, super tired and the little girl in me needs some rest right now. So it's having these kind of conversations. I know this sounds really woo-woo right now. (laughs) This is exact. You know how many people here is like, oh my God, thank God she's just like me. We all have the voice in our head, homie. Yeah, no, we do. And, and, and sometimes it's like, uh, you know, these parts of us have developed at certain ages. So like my, my fire fighter is age 16, but my inner child, the one who was sexually abused is six and a half years old. And sometimes she's the one who has the most fear and stops me from trying new things because it's too scary and we don't know what's going to happen. We might get hurt again. Um, and then like the security guard or the fighter will come in and go, no, we're not going. She's scared. So we're not going to do that scary thing because we don't know what's going to happen. And so it's just bringing, <laughs> becoming aware of your psychology and how it's operating. I, I really believe it's important, especially in therapy, to just explore your childhood trauma, know what your triggers are. What are the things that scare you the most and why? Explore them, shed a light on them, and then they have a lot less power. 
wow, that's so cool. I've always just called her the bitch in my head. Exactly. So it's like, I actually like giving them different job titles because, yeah. like, again, I'm so strategic that I would go, oh, okay, I would give this person the job title and then the job description of what their responsibilities are. Yeah. So the security guard is, when I fit, have the fear, you're here to protect me. But Mr. Security Guard or Mrs. Security Guard, I'm going to choose not to listen to you, right? And so, like, having, like, exactly. these, these, like, pre-written um, approaches of how you're going to deal with the voices, I freaking love this. No, and I do it in journaling, too. So when I'm going through a really hard time emotionally, I will sit down and write and sometimes I'll, I'll go, okay, who's speaking right now? Oh, it's the manager speaking or, oh, it's my little child. And well, what do you want to say? And I write it out. I write everything that they're scared of and all the things. And then, and then I counter it. I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. You love me. You want to protect me. But adult Andrea is in the room right now mm. and I'm going to take charge. So why don't you go off and play for now? And I'm going to be taking care of everything. I've got this, but thank you. You know, it's that kind of dialogue. And I write it out. It's so helpful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Homie, where can people find you? Your amazing book that you share all of these freaking stories and so much more. Thank you. Uh, they can find me on andrianavetto.com. That's my website. And at Andrea Navetto on Instagram and Facebook. And Andrea Navetto official. And please go out and buy the book. Because uh, it's going to be really important. It's going to change your life. It's going to make you feel so good about yourself. And it's going to help you to see your potential. Oh, yeah. Guys, guys, you've got to go check out her book. It is chock of chock full of amazing stories, just like what she shared here. And the takeaways of these stories really are freaking tools that you guys can go and use right now in your own life so that you can keep showing up, stand up for yourself just like her. And maybe, just maybe, you have a security guard in your head that you can tell to quieten down as well. All right, guys, click that subscribe button. Until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace.